Good morning, Woodville family. Are you ready for God's word? I want to give a shout out welcome to our many guests who have joined us from here in the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even from around the world. Well, today we're beginning a brand new six-part sermon series that we're calling Stand. We're going to take six Sundays to explore the book of Daniel. You might be wondering why the book of Daniel. Let me give you three reasons. Number one, the book of Daniel is so parallel to what we are walking through today in these difficult times. Number two, the book of Daniel is filled with so many prophecies that are being fulfilled right now, right before our eyes. And thirdly, the God of Daniel is the God of you and I today. Our God is our God before COVID. He's our God in COVID, and he will be our God after COVID. When Daniel was introduced in Daniel chapter one, he's 15 years of age. By the end of the book of Daniel, he's 90 years of age. Daniel comes 400 years after David, some 600 years before Jesus. And the book spans a time from 530 BC to 605 BC. And Daniel was raised up from a Jewish boy who's brought into Babylon and ported to Babylon. And he served under some of the key rulers and leaders of Babylon and Persia. And he went from an imported Jew to Babylon to a prime minister and a key counselor in the land. Well, today in this introductory message, I want to call it Stand Out from Daniel chapter 1. And I want to give you 10 must-haves that you and I need if we're going to stand out in these turbulent times. So the first thing I want to share with you that you need, a must-have from Daniel chapter 1, is commitment. And I want to challenge all of us to be committed to God, fully devoted and fully committed to God like Daniel, not like the king of that day, Jehoiakim. Let me take you to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It's the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the wicked king who ruled for some 43 years, comes to Jerusalem and he besieged it. Under the leadership of Jehoiakim, God's people slipping into spiritual decline. Instead of getting closer to God, they're growing away from God. And there was sexual impurity. There was idolatry. And they were pushing God away. And God raised up prophets like Zephaniah and Ezekiel that says, you need to shape up or you're going to ship out. You need to pull up your socks or you're going to lose your spiritual freedom. But they didn't listen. So God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, that wicked king, to come in and besiege Jerusalem. Before long, he tore down the walls. He ravaged the city. He ravaged the temple. And he took hundreds of Jewish boys and he imported them to Babylon. But look at verse number two. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And he carried off to the temple of his God, Babylonia, and he put in the treasure house of his God. You see, Nebuchadnezzar took the worship artifacts from the temple in Jerusalem and took them to his temple of his false God in Babylon, stripped them of their worship. Why? Because they weren't committed. I asked you a question. What? Was Jehoiakim doing? Everything rises or falls on leadership. I wish Jehoiakim was sold out for God because if he was, the nation of Israel would probably follow and be sold out to God. Somebody is following you. Moms and dad, your children are following you. The church looks to their pastors to be sold out for God. People are looking to you. What example are you setting? I want to challenge you. If we're going to survive in these difficult, turbulent times, we've got to be fully devoted and committed to God. But then there's must have number two, character. 
And character is who you are when no one else is looking. Character is who you are on the inside. Look at verse three and verse five. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, that was his right-hand man, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. He brought in the wealthy. He brought in the noble. Verse four, young man without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He brought in the best looking. He brought in the smartest. He brought in the wealthiest. In our today's world, we always seem to look for the brains, the bronze, and the beauty to bring in the smartest, the people with the most money, and the people who are the best looking. Because society today is always looking at outward appearance, but not God. God looks at the heart. God is looking for inward character. Church, mark it down. If you and I are going to survive in these difficult days, we've got to have inward character. And the trials of life do not, do not make your character. The trials and the difficult reveals your character. I want you to know that character is what's going to keep you in these tough times. And before every blessing, there's going to be a testing. God tests us with stress before he trusts us with success. I want you and I to be a people who are marked with character. But then there's must have number three, conviction. And I want to challenge you to know what you believe. Make sure that you've got a faith that is solid and it's marked by conviction because influence in today's world is going to come from your difference from the world, not your sameness to the world. Look at verse four. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians and the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. For three solid years, all of these Jewish boys would be stepping into operation assimilation. It would be gradual, indoctrinate them to become like Babylonians, to learn their culture, to learn their literature, to learn their religion, and to sit at the king's table and eat their food. What better way to get them? To give them a free scholarship and free food, free tuition, and free food. I want you to look in verse six. Among those that were chosen from Judah, there was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them all new names to Daniel, Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. He gave them new names. He took away their Jewish name, and he gave them a Babylonian name. I want to challenge you today from the youngest to the oldest. You got to know who you are and you got to know whose you are. But I want you to look at verse eight. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and mind. Resolved means he made up his mind. He was determined on the inside. He had settled it within him. He had settled it in advance. There's no way in the world he was going to fall for this. He had made up a decision in his heart. He had rehearsed it in his heart. He had already had some convictions. And friends, there's some decisions in life you cannot make on the spur of the moment. You got to decide in advance what is your godly conviction. And if we as a church are going to survive in these difficult days as prophecy is being fulfilled right before us. I'm calling us to have conviction. 
And the enemy is going to go after the young people, just like, just like Nebuchadnezzar is going after these young Jewish boys. The devil's going to go after our young people. It's a sexual jungle out there. Media is trying to get them. We need to do a better job of making sure our youth, our young adults, and our children are grounded in conviction. Must have number three, conviction. But then there's must have never four, no compromise. Absolutely no compromise. Look at verse eight. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. The Hebrew word for defile means to stain. It means to pollute. It means to corrupt. It means to contaminate. It means to lose their purity. And Daniel made up his mind. Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to sand. It's thus far and no farther. And so every day he got up, every day he got up and he knew that he was going to hear the teaching of their religion, the teaching of their education, and he could take the good and throw the bad. He also knew that they could get a new name and they could change his name. But Daniel knew who he was and Daniel knew whose he was. But he drew a line in the sand when it came to eating, eating the Babylonian food from King Nebuchadnezzar and drinking his wine. Have you ever wondered why did he draw a line, a line in the sand about eating the food and drinking the, the wine from King Nebuchadnezzar? I came up with three reasons. Number one, the food probably wasn't kosher. It was probably unclean. It probably was food that was high in fats and filled with sauce and sugar, and it just wasn't kosher. And then number two, most of the food and the wine was probably already offered to false gods. But there was a deeper reason. He knew in that culture of that day, if you sat at the table of a king and you ate of his food, you were not just fellowshipping with him. You were uniting yourself with the beliefs and the values of the king. And Daniel said, I can't do that. I can hear your teaching and receive the good and throw away the bad. You can change my name, but it doesn't matter. I know whose I am and I know who I am, but I'm not going to sit at your table. I'm not going to share in your values. I'm not going to sacrifice my beliefs. I am drawing a line in the sand and I'm not going to do this. And I want to challenge you, church, to live a life of no compromise. In these days, if the squeeze is going to come upon us as a church, that may we not be conformed to our society. May we be transformed by our living God. May we be a church that is marked conviction and no compromise. But then there's number five, courage. This is number five must have. You've got to have courage. Look at verse eight. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Church, you need to know that took a lot of courage for Daniel to do that. At a minimum, by him saying that, it was going to upset the king and probably removed from him of having any advancement, any rising up. It ruined any hope of him climbing up the ladder of success. If you want to climb up the ladder of success, don't rock the boat. Just keep doing it. Just keep calm. Don't say anything. Just don't rock the boat. But there's a deeper reason. If he said, I don't want to defile myself from the king's food, I can't do this. This would anger the king. And the king would look at this young 15-year-old as a rebellious teenager. And rebellion in that day could be treated by death. 
at a maximum, Daniel could have lost his life because he said, I'm not going to eat that food. Now think about it. He could have come up with some excuses. What's the big deal? If I just eat this food and drink this wine, my mom and dad won't know. They're way away from me. They'll never know. As far as we know, Daniel never went back to Jerusalem. They would never know. He could have also said, well, everybody else is doing it. He could have also said, what's the big deal? I'm eating the food on the outside, but on the inside, I'm not. He could have come up with a, a whole bunch of excuses. Why be legalistic? Why be narrow-minded? But he didn't. He had the courage to stand up for what he believed was right and what he believed was wrong. You see, Babylon could change everything about him but his heart. They could change him outwardly. They could change his name. They could change his education, but they could not change his heart. You know, church, when your heart truly belongs to God, you will always do what is right. His body might have been in Babylon, but his heart was in heaven. And I ask you today, friends, where is your heart? Must have number five, have the courage to stand up for what is right. But then there's number six, consistency. Did you know one of the, the strategies of the devil is to get the church and get believers to live an inconsistent life, to say one thing and do another thing, to talk the talk, but not walk the talk. The devil loves when the church is inconsistent because we lose our witness. We lose our testimony, but not Daniel. Daniel teaches us to live a life of consistency. Who he was is who you saw at all times. Even in the dark, difficult times, he was always the same. Look at verse nine. Now God, God enters the picture. He caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Daniel lived a consistent life. And I want to challenge you as your pastor, live a consistent life. When you're at school, young people, live a consistent life. Moms and dads, when you're at work, live a consistent life. Live for Jesus, shine for Jesus, walk the talk. Consistency is going to matter in these difficult days. It's a must-have if we're going to stand out in these turbulent, tough times. But then there's number seven, confidence, godly confidence. Confidence in who you are in God. Confidence that you want to be a God Please Look at verse 10. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young man your age? The king would then have my head because of you. The official was so afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel could have caved to that. Daniel could have been afraid of the earthly king. Daniel could have lived his life to please King Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king of Babylon. But Daniel was more concerned about what God thinks than what Nebuchadnezzar thinks. And I want to challenge you in these difficult days. Be really concerned about what God thinks. Don't live your life just to please man and not to rock the boat and not create any waves. I want to challenge you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Be a God pleaser. Put your confidence in him and in him alone. And then there's number eight. The number eight must have courtesy. We're about to read that Daniel wasn't abrasive. He wasn't rude. He was so polite. He was direct, but he was polite. And I want to tell you, your 
attitude in life is going to determine your acceptance. When you stand up for your convictions, your attitude is going to determine your acceptance. You're never going to be persuasive if you're abrasive. If you're standing up for your God convictions, don't be abrasive. Don't be rude. You've got to be polite. Walk in humility. Don't have arrogance. Don't be obnoxious. Your faith, your faith is supposed to be obvious, but not obnoxious. My personal faith in Christ is something that I personally have done, but my faith living out for God is public. It's meant to be obvious, but not obnoxious. We're about to read that Daniel was obedient. Daniel was respectful. He knew the order of command. He didn't demand. He made a request. Let's read it. In verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. This is where we get the Daniel fast or the Daniel diet. And the number 10 means completeness or it means testing. And when it says vegetables, it comes from a Hebrew word that's been translated, the King James Version, as pulse. It means vegetables or it means grains. It's like for 10 days, Daniel was eating vegetables and shredded wheat and drinking water. That was his suggestion. Look at verse 13. Then compare our appearance with that of the young man who eat the royal food and treat your servant in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were drinking and gave them vegetables instead. After 10 days, they looked better than everyone else. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because God honored Daniel, who lived a life of no compromise, who lived a life of conviction, who lived a life who took a stand. Oh, God honors us when we honor him. But note it, he wasn't abrasive. He wasn't rude. He was polite. He was direct. He shared how he felt. But your attitude will determine your altitude and your acceptance. You're not going to be persuasive if you're abrasive. So church, when we take a stand, for what we know is right. Let's be direct. Let's be clear. Let's not just think our convictions. Let's stand for our convictions. Let's stand up for what is right. But let's be a people who are courteous. And then there's must have number nine. Connection. I want to share you an ama- with you an amazing secret of Daniel that kept him in these difficult days. You won't be shocked that your pastor is sharing this. Daniel was involved in a connect group. He was in a small group. Look at verse 17 to these four young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, my house, your house, and a bungalow. And Daniel, they were a connect group. They hung out together. Iron sharpens iron. You see, church, we need each other more than ever. If you're going to survive in these difficult days, you can't be a lone ranger. You need your church family. You need to get into a connect group. And I want to challenge every one of you watching today, go to our church website, check out our connect groups, get into a connect group, do life with a group of believers because iron sharpens iron. If Daniel needed a connect group, you and I need a connect group. But there's one more must have that I want to share with you. This is number 10. This is the final one. It's clarity. It's clarity. We're about to read 
that God gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego supernatural clarity. And he favored them with wisdom and understanding way beyond their years. And he gave Daniel an amazing supernatural ability to interpret dreams and visions. I wrote something in my notes. I want you to hear this. God will never ask you to do something that he doesn't give you the ability to do it. I wrote something else that God will never put more on you. He will never put more responsibility on you than the giftings of the anointing of God that he puts in you. And I want to challenge you. Let's dare to be a Daniel. Let's dare to be a man or a woman of influence in this generation. Let's not be a church that cowers back in the corner. This isn't the time for the church to go asleep. This is the time for the sleeping giant called God's church to rise up with God-given conviction and God-given boldness to stand up for what we believe. The hope for the nation of Canada is our Lord God Almighty. Just like in our national anthem, God keep our land glorious and free. And I believe God's got a vision and a plan for the nation of Canada. I believe that the best days for his church are the days ahead. But we need God-given clarity. Let me read this to you. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Verse 18, at the end of the set time by the king to bring them into service, the three years go by. The chief official presents them to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And they entered the king's service he found none equal to them. The king, the wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, found nobody like them. Why? Because they took a God stand. Look at verse 20. In every matters of wisdom and understanding, which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. 10 times better Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four men of godly influence in a pagan world. I'm calling you, church. Let's rise up as man and woman of influence. I want you to look at verse 21. It's a key verse. It's the final verse in chapter one. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. I started to study that verse, and I discovered that the first year of King Cyrus was 539 BC. For a lot more years, God was using Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to be men of influence. And so I look to you, church, from the young children to our young people, to our young adults, to all of our adults, to all of our seniors. Let's rise up as a church and be a people of influence in these difficult days. What we have learned today, what's going to help us in these dark, difficult days. We've got to have commitment. We got to be sold out for God. We got to be all in for God. We got to be 100% serving him and living for him. We got to be people of character, of conviction, of no compromise, of courage, of consistency, of confidence 
confidence, of connection, and of clarity. And I believe if we live out these 10 God principles, we are going to make a difference in our generation and in these dark and these difficult days. I want you to worship in this song. It's kind of about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And it kind of feels like we're in the fire right now and it's difficult. But there's another in the fire and his name is Jesus. And I want to challenge you, church. Let's take a godly stand for the Lord. Let's draw some lines in the sand. Let's not cower back. Let's rise up with boldness in the anointing of the Lord and stand up for what we believe and make a difference in our generation. Let's worship together. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone there was another in the fire standing next to me there was another in the waters holding back the sea should I ever need reminding how I've been set free There is a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There was another in the fire For dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between What remains of me and this reckoning Either way I will bow to the things of this world Breathe it.
and still is and we'll be through it all So come on me in the space between all the things you see and his reckoning And I know I will never be There's another in the fire, and his name is Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus is with us at all times. In these final moments, if today was the day that you died, that you stepped into eternity, are you ready for heaven? If today was the day that you stepped into eternity, you know that 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 you're going to heaven. I don't want anybody watching today to think they're going to heaven, to hope they're going to heaven. I want you to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus to this world, and you and I are the reason. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible teaches us that it's by grace we are saved. You can't buy it, you can't work for it. All you need to do is ask Jesus Christ into your life. Was there a time, was there a place, was there a moment that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins? You won't get to heaven because of your parents' faith. You will get to heaven because of your personal faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you're here in the city of Ottawa, somewhere across Canada, or somewhere around the world, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I would have no greater joy than to lead you in this prayer. Would you join me today? Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow you. I receive you in my life. I confess you today as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, heaven is rejoicing right now. I believe there's a number of you here in Ottawa, across Canada and around the world that you personally made the best decision of your life. And if you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, reach out to us on the platform that this service is presented to you and we will reach out back to you. We'd love to get you in our follow class. It's an online discipleship class for people who have newly accepted Jesus Christ. Go to our church website and register for it. Consider getting baptized in water. It's your next step. Sign up for the upcoming water baptismal class. And if you still have questions about Christianity, you're still checking it out, go to our church website and sign up for Alpha. I believe that it will be a blessing for you. Well, Evelyn, I love each and every one of you so much. I would love to pray for you in these final moments. Father God, I thank you for our church family. I thank you, God, for this amazing church that is doing life together. I pray, Father God, that you would raise up men and women young people, boys and girls, to be people of influence in these difficult days. I pray, Father God, you would help us to live out these 10 must-haves that we have looked at today. I pray, God, that we would rise up with boldness, with conviction, and you would use us greatly for your kingdom. I pray blessing on everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.